films created by a diverse range of voices? Sequels, reboots, spin-offs, remakes, and more of the things you already love. Obvious, obviously. Brendan and Nick present that movie you like. The sequel. Welcome to That Movie You Like 2. It's time for the great new podcast where we look at classic films, then pitch you the sequels you can't live without. This week we're doing... Who am I? You sure you want to know? If somebody told you I was just your average ordinary guy, not a care in the world, somebody lied. The truth is, it wasn't always like this. There was a time when life was a lot less complicated. Can I take your picture for the school paper? Sure. In this lab, we have 15 genetically enhanced super spiders. There's 14. One's missing. Peter, are you all right? I'm fine. Pete, look, you're changing. I know I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Great power comes great responsibility. This is my gift. Wow. It is my curse. Who are you? Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. That's right. We're making a sequel to the original Spider-Man trilogy. What would life be like if we got a Spider-Man 4? But before that, Nick, what do you think of these movies? The thing I find very interesting about this version of Spider-Man is like, how many movies have we got now? Just in the Sam Raimi-verse or well, generally? Well, just generally Spider-Man movies. Like, I'm, I'm probably not counting the, the ones from the 70s, so, yeah, so sorry sorry those fans of the Japanese Spider-Man. And So, we got three original Spider-Mans. We got two amazing Spider-Mans. We've got three Tom Holland Spider-Mans. We've got Into the Spider-Verse and then obviously the Avengers appearances, but I think we can keep it just on two hands, which is nine. Okay, just, that's a lot of films for, for a character. Like he's been spread very thin and he's somehow has avoided like franchise fatigue. I don't think there are nine Batman films actually even thinking about it. Like that, and we all feel a bit tired of Batman, I, I think. But the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans do sort of stick in my mind as they exist in this sort of it's always that time, if that makes sense. Like, it's the comics that was from the 60s, and it's still that kind of time bubble. Nothing's really penetrated it. It'll always kind of be that yeah, classic. Yeah, I, I think it, it's simultaneously that 60s Stanley Steve Ditko Spider-Man, which I think Sam Raimi said multiple times was his main inspiration. But it's also pretty timeless. It's not set in the 60s. It's sort of that slightly outside of time kind of setting isn't it yeah i think the movies themselves are kind of that in a way as well they're the first kind of of the i'd say they're the first modern superhero movies like x-men was their thing but spider-man really felt like a comic book adaption yeah and he was the first they really kind of lent into that like let's just make the suit yeah like let's not like cover him in black leather let's let's actually do the uh do the actual red and the blue and, you know, make it as wild as it looks on the page. And I think it's that transition point from 89 Batman to the MCU. Like yeah. it's, there's aspects of both in there. I think both, it's kind of right there in the middle. 
And I think that's maybe why it still works, at least for me, still works pretty well even today. If you watch those movies, I think they hold up pretty well. That said, having watched the first one relatively recently, a lot of the fight scenes look like a, a Power Rangers bit, especially when Goblin attacks the parade and there's this little fisty cuffs on, on top of his glider at one point and it's just like... Yeah, he just looks like Rita Repulsa or something. I think you're right. I think that the choice to go with that suit was them... Like, they went full-blown Spider-Man with the Spider-Man suit, and then for some reason they got scared, and they <laughs> and they were like, oh, we've got to make it look like a robot. But they didn't quite nail that. Like It also begs the question, like, this guy just had this helmet lying around. Like, what? It he, looked like he, that, yeah. Yeah, he, he goes crazy, kills everyone in his lab, and says, I need a helmet, and then, like... Just fashions something in, yeah, in no, 24 well, that, hours? Well, that was the helmet for the military application. So that was what they were using in the tests, I think, right, as well. So, Oh, did they, did they actually have the full helmet, though? I thought mm-hmm. it was like a little mind control Oh, I think maybe you're right. Thing. But, yeah, but obviously he he built it. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's something of a scientist, so we know yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think that was maybe the real miss in that movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but on YouTube you can actually watch makeup tests where they had a much more... Uh, comic accurate mask and it, it's animatronic and it's like face moved and stuff it's it's very cool i think that would have been a better direction to go i think they redeemed it in no way home a little bit they made that's, that suit that's look what a i was cooler. thinking they've they've kind of gone a lot of you know retconning in a in a positive way to sort of yeah this happened but we kind of wish it looked like this you know? Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man 1 is kind mm. of the ultimate origin story. We don't get him as Spider-Man right away. Like, it takes a while to, to build up to that. Yep. But I feel like it, it it builds up to it in a good amount of time. It's not one of those movies where you see the hero for the last three minutes of the film. Like, we get a lot of Spider-Man still in this movie. Yeah, and, and even in that, and I do remember seeing in the special features for, it might have been number two, there's still a lot of Peter Parker in it too. Yes. Like, it's not just, oh, waiting passing the time until he's in the suit and doing his, his swinging around stuff. It's a soap opera where, you know, action breaks out rather than an action film where soap breaks out, if that makes sense. So, it, yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And I think that's very true to those early comics as well, that they kind of, it was a soap opera. I remember there's an early issue in that run where he's not Spider-Man at all and it works. It, it works for that character. It doesn't. Mm. I don't know if it works for every character, but it, it works for Spider-Man. And I think, yeah, we get a lot of sort of expanded cast. The all the important people, obviously Uncle Ben being a big one, but Aunt yeah. May, MJ, Flash Thompson. Mm-hmm. We see all of those guys, and I know there's some maybe criticism of. Kirsten Dunster's performance these days, but I think they all do a good job. I think she honestly does the best with what she gets given. She's she's kind of, you know, sexy lamp in in the first one. She gets a little bit more agency, I think, in the second. I think at one point she throws something at the back of Doc Ock's head. So yeah. That's yeah. an improvement. Yeah. And she's, she's a product of the damsel of distress yeah. era of comics. Yeah. And I think she's nice because she has a bit more of a personality than some of those other damsels in mm. that role. But you are, I think, hamstrung a little bit when you're presenting a comic from the 60s and it without is a, totally changing her. No, yeah. and, it, and it is essentially a sort of male fantasy, you know, to be suddenly the most interesting person in the world and, yes. you know, get the girl at the end. And, and I think <laughs> so. that's a common criticism about Peter Parker in these movies is at times that he's not a nice guy. Like, he's not, he's not always making choices... He's he's pretty selfish. Like I think he's often, he, he a, lot, be, yes. a lot of his choices are about him. But I think that's kind of 
what makes him a bit more relatable than other heroes as well. So it's yeah. kind of like we can all be a bit of a dick sometimes. Yeah, and- yeah. And I mean, Stanley really leaned into that idea, which is what I think made Spider-Man unique in the first place, was he's not some billionaire with a massive cave full of stuff. I mean, Spider-Man into the into the Spider-Verse, notwithstanding this. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got this guy with regular problems. He is never able to get to work on time. Therefore, he doesn't get paid therefore he you know doesn't have a very nice house so he's he's always struggling to live through his responsibility but it's also at the cost of other obligations and things relationships other, yeah exactly. and other people's feelings yeah, <laughs> yeah. i love the character i love spider-man but this version of spider-man i think is really true to that peter parker that he can be a bit selfish he can be a bit egotistical and a bit focused on on his things because I've got the great power and I've got the great responsibility. Yeah. And Every- there's not room for anything else. Exactly. You know? yeah. like it, it's, Everyone it's else has to, to yeah. have to stand by the wayside while I, I yeah. do what I have to do. Sort of able to not be a dick at the end of that. Yes. Like he's basically going, I'm going to be the self-sacrificing one. Yeah. I'm sorry to MJ to disappoint you, but yeah. I just have to not put you in that, in that position again. Fair enough. You know, yeah. And, and we and I think we get the best Uncle Ben scene in this oh, in this question. movie easily. I mean, I know we get it again later in Amazing Spider Man, and and MCU kind of dodges it a bit and does their own thing, which I actually like. Did but you notice they actually use the soundbite for Into the Spider Verse though? In, you know, in, with great power comes great responsibility. Ah, uh, in the flashback, Mus- yeah, yeah, the, was, yeah. He's got an almost musical quality to his voice. You yeah, know, it's he's just- a great actor for that role. Yeah, um, he just he looks the part. He sounds the part and he just nails it. And and I think Uncle Ben's good in the reboots and things too. Yeah. It's just it feels so classic and it works. It's really the first time that we'd seen it in that big kind of mm. budget scale and it has the right amount of gravitas. It becomes a really important moment. We've got that kind of thug guy with the with sort of bleach blonde hair at the on the mm. top of his head. Yeah. And he works really well. And I mean I know all this gets retconned a little bit later on. But <laughs> but I think in that first movie, it's, it's almost perfect. Yeah. I, I don't think you could do much better on that yeah. scene. And and Peter's sort of coming face to face with, you know, blonde-tipped boy band dropout yeah. and realising, oh, crap, I have released this. I'm responsible for the chain of events that went down here. Yeah. You know, all these little beats, they just hit perfectly and you can really kind of like, you know, the guy... The guy has to sort of cut himself a break. Like, he's not the one that pulled the trigger, but he's, you know, able to sort of, like, find a way to blame himself, which I think everyone can relate to who, you know, has has ever sort of made a a slight error. Yeah, and and I mean, it's it's a slight error that led to him losing, like, this very important person in his life. Like, Aunt May is obviously very important as well, but I feel like Uncle Ben was his dad. As much as he says right before, you're not my dad, he was. And Mm. he's obviously that super important figure in his life. Something I found a bit interesting after that scene is he chases down the the guy to that kind of warehouse and they end up with him at the window and he sort of drops him. Yep. And it's left a bit, I guess, ambiguous whether he killed him or whether he didn't. But something I noticed on a recent watch of No Way Home is he seems to confirm that he did kill him. Um, Okay. Yeah, because he makes a comment in No Way Home about the first person that he chased down and and that was something that you can't come back from, which is what he's taught when he's talking to the Tom Holland Peter. So, yeah, it's, it's just an interesting mm. thing because I, I feel like it was always 
left ambiguous and I mean I remember the edit is is basically like the the mask comes off and you see his face and then Peter's like you know gobsmacked the eyes open super wide and then I can't exactly remember what happens but I think the other guy's kind of scared and he stumbles and there's like this weird pipe sitting over the thing so yeah. it looks so it looks like it doesn't look like he actually shoves him. I think Peter takes a step back and then he takes a step back and goes out the window. Yes. So yeah. that that's my recollection. But he's still responsible. He was the yeah. one that pushed him up against the window, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, and I, mean, I guess he, it's my yeah. mind that Spider-Man, he doesn't kill. No. Um, I mean, some of his villains get killed, but he doesn't actually do that. No, he that, just gets out of the way while yeah. they die. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but that particular one was always a bit ambiguous. And, and in my mind, he didn't. Like, yeah. But yeah, the No Way Home seems to yeah. maybe... Hmm. had made a choice that maybe he did, which I think is interesting and yeah. it's a cool way to yeah, do it. Yeah, I might it. have to... But that also is classic Peter, blame himself yes. for everything. Exactly. So um, we've, we've waxed lyrical a lot about Spider-Man 1. Let's launch into 2 and 3 sure. and probably a bit more condensed. 2, I think, is the best out of the original trilogy just because so many of the things in motion work so well. You've got Doc Ock, Alfred Molina, fantastic casting, just, you know... Perfect, pitch perfect. He shows up again in, in No Way Home and yeah. just so much of that little bits of payoff. Like, you know, he gets his brain chipped back and he's like, oh, it's so quiet. You know, I, I can relate because that's what it's like when you have ADHD medication. But, you know, he's he's like, oh, Peter, dear boy, how are you? And, and all, all this sort of thing. So it's, it's just really nice to see that he's a nice guy yeah. who's just like, you know, got this tormenting thing that's taken him over. It's a really interesting dynamic. And again, he plays that role really well of Dr. Octopus, like you say, being the friend and then the turn, but also the turn feels real. Like yeah. I think I think he feels dangerous and he feels, even though he's maybe not your typical looking mm. villain in like an action movie, he, f- he feels dangerous. And I mean, in that train scene and, and things like that, like he hurts Spider-Man maybe yeah. almost more than he gets hurt in that first film. Yeah. Like he's a very dangerous man. Because, I mean, Norman Osborn was always kind of a bit of a dick. So yeah. even when he takes the villain turn, even when he was a good guy, he's kind of a yeah. dick. So he's well, still he's a like bit of a supreme dick. capitalist and he's yeah. just something like, how am I? You know, so he's, he goes, you know. He's not nice to his yeah. son. Like, he's, he's kind of a jerk. Whereas we see Doc Ock is, like, he loves his wife. He cares yeah. about people. And so that changed for him. And then he loses all it all. And then obviously he's in grief and being manipulated at the same time. So it's all, it all... Fits together very well. The other cool thing with this one is we get to do the whole Spider-Man No More arc, which was always an interesting concept just as superheroes go. Yeah, even with him losing his powers as he kind of emotionally is unstable, I think that was new for the movie, but it works quite well in that universe, I think. Yeah, and it sort of works as well because like, I, I do actually remember there being a bit of discourse complaining as, you know fandom does about the whole he shoots webs out of his skin or you know out of his wrists oh, why why are the web shooters all that sort of stuff but you know it, it makes sense in the context of a movie like he's not quite the massive science genius he is in the comic books yeah i think it works we get in there quickly it's mm. not another thing that needs to be explained i like the web shooters but i think it works fine in this movie in the context of this and then yeah like you say you can bring in the existentialism and suddenly it stops working and you get that great scene where he falls on the car and hurts his back i really i like that one quite a lot yeah we get more mj we get mj kind of 
moving on in her life. Yeah, getting married. Yeah. To John, someone we haven't mentioned yet, J. Jonah Jameson, to Ooh. his son. Yes. So J. Jonah Jameson's son may be a bit forgettable, but J. Jonah Jameson himself, a uh, big yeah. part of these movies and a big part of what makes them good, I think. He's yeah. that second villain, really, in the in the film, isn't he? And they've brought him back for No Way Home, obviously. And I did actually kind of squee a little bit in the cinema I think that came at the end of Far From Home yeah but because it's like yes they bring the best you know he's the perfect JJ there couldn't be someone else playing that role like and he plays him in a way like he's the that real Joe from the comics but he if other people played him you'd just dislike the character but you love the character even though he's a horrible jerk and, but he has those moments of being redeemable, like where he's he just so fun to watch. Yeah. That's probably what I think does it. And he's obviously just got that drive that, you know, obviously everything is just swirling around him and he just like commands it. And, and he doesn't like he doesn't give Peter Parker up when when the Green Goblin comes. Little, thing, yeah. little things like little that. Moments, like he's, yeah. he's not all bad. Maybe it's in two, right? Where Spider-Man's gone and mm. he, he throws away the suit and they find the suit in the bin and it comes back to him and yep. he feels bad about it. Like yeah. he feels bad that he, he drove him away. <laughs> and then as soon as he's back, back yeah. to what he used to be. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. No two. Great film. Three. It's a movie. What are your thoughts on this? Because mine are, strictly speaking, when I criticize these sort of things, I come at it from a point of view of I start to see the sticky fingers of the studio starting to mess with it. I remember there being this whole massive campaign that Sam Raimi hated Venom as a character, as a concept, as whatever, and they were just, you know, flat out refusing. Whether that was just a smokescreen to sort of... I I think there was an element of that. I don't even know that he hates the character. I think he just didn't really get the character because he Mm. would... the characters he'd chosen were all those classic characters and Venom is very different. I feel... So with Spider-Man 3, so something kind of interesting, I actually saw Spider-Man 3 in Tokyo mm. when I was living in Japan. So that was quite cool. And Spider-Man is massive there. Like Spider-Man mm. is a huge deal. And going to see that movie there was just so much fun. It was so exciting. The um, dubbed version? Or was no, it was just the standard, standard version. Standard uh, it had subtitles. But yep. Yeah. And it was just such a such an exciting deal seeing it there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, when I saw it at the cinema, I enjoyed the film. I, I really enjoyed the film. Mm. And I think even if you look back at reviews and things like that, for the most part, people did enjoy that film. It was, it was certainly, I think it made the most money. I think in hindsight, when we've lost some of that hype and some of that buzz, yep. that, like it's a flawed film. Like It's definitely yep. a flawed film. It's definitely the weakest of the three. Yeah. But I don't think it's a bad, bad film. Like I think there's still a lot to enjoy there. There is this whole, this whole thing as well of like the character is being a dick because he's being possessed by some outer yeah. body force. And I mean... Even, you know, spoilers, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness touches on this idea of something possessing a character to work against their own sort of conscience and their own sort of standard of ethics and yeah. things. Having him, you know, having to fight his own suit as a concept, that's that's quite hard, I think, to, to put into a film. And I think it does quite a yeah. good job in that. Yeah, yeah. and I, I do too. And actually, a lot of the pe- parts that people criticise, the old Bully Parker and, and all of those, yeah. I actually really enjoy a lot of that. Like, <laughs> I think that's just so much fun. Like, maybe it's a bit different to the comics, but I think as a Sam Raimi film, for me, it, it works. The issues for me in that movie are more narrative based not so much the way that anyone is portrayed so it's Mm. things like 
that we that it just lands from outer space with no there's no real <laughs> rhyme or reason to how it gets here. Could um, have just been an opening to a Men in Black movie, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, like it feels like something that should have been up set up maybe at the end of Spider Man Two or, or or something, or and, something to do with the astronaut that yeah, MJ was marrying. Exactly. So. Like it seems like that was just rushed and mm. and. Rushing is a big problem in the movie generally. Like, I like Harry in the movie. I know a lot of people don't like his suit, but I think it works for the character. Mm-hmm. But, like, the whole end sequence where it's just resolved because a butler tells him something that he could have told him two years ago. Yep. And then... You realise you're fired now, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you see a news report that sets up that now Venom... Like, Venom meets Sandman, and now they're best friends, and they've set up this huge, <laughs> elaborate building site trap for Spider-Man... And it's, it all is handled with a news report. Like, it, it feels like maybe there's, like, half an hour of movie missing. And, yes, it would have been a long movie, especially for back then, but the bones of a good movie are there. There's some really nice stuff. Even I know a lot of people don't like Topher Grace's Eddie Brock. He's obviously very different to the comic book version. But I think for what they did there, that sort of dark mirror of Spider-Man, he yeah. works. Like, yeah. Venom looks pretty good, except when... When you see Eddie's face coming out. But, um, but fun fun fact as well, the the screams of Venom, that was actually the sound of a Tasmanian devil. Yes. So I, I think the sound designer heard like a recording of these things and was like, oh, I need this for the for the movie. And yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so so. Uh, as Tasmanians ourselves, that's a nice little kind of a little Easter egg for us, I think. Yeah, I realise no one outside of Tassie will care and frankly... <laughs> Yeah, people love Tasmanian devils. They've seen Looney Tunes. Yeah, but they've seen Looney Tunes. But you know, spoiler: they do not turn into a tornado and shred everything. They literally not- eat roadkill. And I saw one do it the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's Venom. We've got Sandman too. Mm-hmm. Sandman looks cool. I, yeah, actually, shout out to the special effects on that. That yeah. is an absolutely groundbreaking sequence where you see him sort of rising out of the yeah. out of the sand. That that is that holds up that's yeah. like Jurassic Park level of and old th- CGI that still works I think the actor does the best that he can with mm. what he's got some of his stuff is pretty hammy like I like the stuff around his daughter and that I just don't think he's handled all that well and I think he suffers from being the retconned killer of Uncle Ben I, I just don't mm. yeah. I don't really think it was necessary I think they could have done something else but overall like it's a fun movie there's fun yeah. stuff in it. I, it it's all right it would have been lovely, and maybe this is starting to get into the, the the main part of our show where we start to pitch some sequels to you. Indeed. It would have been lovely to get a Spider-Man 4, and, and we very nearly did get a bit Spider-Man 4. It was in early production. We had John Malkovich coming on as a vulture. So we had so much that could have happened, and then I think everyone was just like, not feeling so good about this. No. Nah. And then Sony feels the the pressure that, oh, we have to release a Spider-Man movie. Yes. Let's just reboot it. So what we're going to be doing today is, assuming they didn't reboot it, and we're not going to go with... We may use aspects of what was kind of set up with the Vulture and things like that, but both myself and Nick are going to pitch our own versions of of a Spider-Man 4. How are we going to decide who goes first? Uh, Shall we flip a coin? Sure. Hang on. Heads or tails? Heads. Yeah, you're going first. Cool, I'm going first. Do we flip for second or... Tails, I'm going second. Okay, (laughs) Nick is second. And the way it's going to work with our show is the first week of every fortnight, the first person will present their sequel. And then, in classic Google fashion, it will be to be continued until the following fortnight where we'll hear, in this case, Nick's version of the sequel. 
So sorry if you don't like having to come back week after week, but that's sequels, baby. Um, all right. So I'm about to pitch my sequel to you. So get ready to sell out. It's time for Spider-Man 4. Sequel creation initialization. Looks like they've ordered a sequel. Three. Almost Three. ready to sell out. Two. Perpetuate the cycle of money, greed, fascism, and triviality. One. Show me the money. Sequel incoming. I didn't, I didn't sell out, son. I bought in. As the movie opens, we see Spider-Man rescuing civilians from a giant, out-of-control robot wheel. As tall as a Ferris wheel, it rolls through midtown New York, causing havoc. Spider-Man lands on top, running across the top of the wheel, sticking it to nearby buildings with his web. It slows down, narrowly rolling to a stop before a crowd in Times Square. Keep an eye on this big wheel for me. I'm running late. Spidey calls down to the crowd. A police officer points to a no parking sign. Send the ticket to him. Spidey points to the pilot and webs him as he tries to open the door. Spidey swings back down to the chaos left behind by the wheel, rescuing a young girl who's trapped beneath some rubble. As he frees her, his spider sense tingles. He looks back to see the wheel snapping its web as it rolls back towards them. Spider-Man uppercuts the wheel, launching it into the air. It crashes into the second story of a skyscraper where, unable to roll, it stays lodged. Spider-Man carries the girl to an ambulance. Yo, any chance you can give her a ride down to the hospital? We can't get out of here with all this rubble. It's on my way. Hold on tight. Spidey drops her in the ER. I've got to run. Make sure you take good care of my friend here. Spidey runs down a hall of the hospital, grabbing some surgical scrubs sitting on a shelf. He sprints into a broom cupboard. We hear bangs, clangs. It goes on a little bit too long as a nurse watches curiously. Peter Parker leaves the closet wearing surgical scrub. Excuse me, nurse, I've got an urgent appointment to get to. Peter runs through the halls. He's clearly looking for something. He bursts into a delivery room. MJ, I made it! Mary Jane holds their new baby. Face it, Tiger. You just hit the jackpot. That's my opening scene for Spider-Man 4. (laughs) I find it very interesting, actually, because... Spoilers for mine. But continue. <laughs> cool. I th- that's that's totally fine. Do you recognise the villain? No, I don't actually. I, so, I'm not as across Spider-Man lore as I should be. <laughs> yeah. I, feel. I, I feel like a lot of people maybe don't. It's a very classic Spider-Man villain known as the Big Wheel. Giant, <laughs> giant robot Ferris wheel that rolls around the city. Okay, um, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's what I've gone for. But it, it won't be my main villain. This is just kind of the intro. So from there, we're going to get the Spider-Man theme playing and recapping the previous films like all the other Spider-Mans. Yeah. The main story, it's going to follow Peter trying to balance Spider-Manning with parenting their new daughter, May. So they named it after Aunt May. Mm -hmm. And the struggles that that entails. Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like there's so much to be explored with parent Spider-Man. Spider-Dad. Yeah. (laughs) So we've got Spider-Dad. He's trying to balance things by still being Spider-Man, still being... Uh, obviously a husband being at least the the father of the kid. I haven't Mm -hmm. made a call. Are they married or not? Let's make that decision now. I would say that they... Well, again, it depends how... Because this could well be a sequel to my story without actually giving too much away, which I may just have done. But (laughs) That's all right. We'll be back next week for some more tips on that. I'm (laughs) going to say that they're married. Cool. (laughs) For now, we're going to go with that they're married. They have a kid. That's the important part of it. I mean, this is a a wholesome Spider-Man movie. If you want it releasing in America, you've got to have them hitched. (laughs) Definitely married. Yeah. Cool. They're married. In a... a, 
Christian wedding. <laughs> um, no. Facilitated we've, by the Pope. <laughs> we've got Spidey, we've got we've got MJ, and now we've got little baby May. Kind of a side story that's going on through this. I wanted to bring back Dr. Connors as well. So we've got Dr. Connors. He's wor- working with Spider-Man, so he's revealed that he's Spider-Man to Dr. Connors. And he's working with Dr. Connors on a spider armor. Mm. The idea behind the spider armor being that you could have multiple Spider-Mans going out in these kinds of emergencies. So like the big wheel incident at the beginning, we see there's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of people that need rescuing. Maybe it, it kind of pushes Spidey. And I bet J. Jonah Jameson is fueling that fire with like, look at all the damage he's done. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So they can make Spider-Man like a force for good, almost like a task force yep. type of thing. So it's they're like, working- Almost working like Spider-Man Incorporated. Yeah, ex- yeah, 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 totally. So we've got this- they're working on this Spider-Man armor. It doesn't exist yet. It's something that they're building kind mm. of in the background throughout the course of the movie. I think that's just kind of a fun idea. Yep. And um, they could be sort of like riffing on a bit of what Doc Ock's technology had as well. Exactly. Like that would be, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and if we're imagining this film came out like back when Spider-Man 4 would have come out. Which would have this- been 2007? Yes, let's let's yeah. let's say around then. This could have been kind of one of those early looks at Spider Armor as well. So they mm. could have incorporated some of those things that were in the comics around about that time as well. Mm-hmm. So and this I, is what sort of come to the front with Tom Holland's Spider Man as well. Like exactly, he's got like the limbs and bits and exactly. Yeah. So we're kind of seeing the beginnings of that here, that yeah. type of armor. Meanwhile, MJ is going back to work. Mm. So she's got a new job as the host of a morning show. Uh-huh. I thought that that kind of is a good foil for Spider-Man who's often out at night and late doing doing anti-crime things, mm. that match-up with her having to be up early yep. makes it very hard when they're also trying to parent a newborn. As both We're both dads ourselves, yep. uh, and we both are very aware, I think, of of the need for sleep and, and the, those kinds of things. So I figured And especially that's a- when you've got the obligation to help the other parent who has to be at a place at a certain time, and then they, in turn, look after the kid when you were in the other place at the other time so yeah exactly and I, I think this is really going to stretch Peter and MJ and, mm-hmm. and their relationship which I think is is what's going to make this one Good. interesting right because yeah. they've resolved a lot of those other relationship issues that they had had previously yeah. and I mean Peter's not being a big baby anymore like no, he was he's, in, he, in Spider-Man 3 he's you know? trying to step up in this movie and, and MJ has you know obviously made certain decisions that mean that she is committed to Peter so yeah. you know that's yeah. it's they got married they got married as we know. decided earlier yeah um, we mandated it and and I mean, he's Spider-Man's trying to do better. He still was. He still missed the birth of his child, so he's not. Yeah. He's not a great dude. But yeah, to throw more spanners in the work, so they're kind of Spider-Man's going out there. He's not getting back in time. She's trying to do her thing. She's really struggling. I'm going to make it worse, right? So we're going to bring back like all the past relationships that we can think of for these oh, guys. No. So we're going to see. We're going to see Ursula. That she was the biscuit girl from that. She lived in Spider Man's building in Spider Man Two. Oh, three. that's oh. a deep cut. Yeah. I forgot so about that. Oh no. We, we, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ursula. Sorry, sorry. You were fantastic. Yeah. She she's actually very good. Yeah. Uh, we brought back Ursula. We're going to bring back John Jameson, so mm-hmm. the ex fiance of MJ. What was his character? Like he—he he literally was there to sort of like smile and he was—he was a handsome astronaut. He, he was a handsome lamp. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty much him. Yeah, yep. And and Gwen Stacy as well. So oh, yes. none of these relationships are really romantic, but they kind of speak to that allure of who they used to be. So like before they were parents, before mm. they were married, it's that kind of. It's it's not that they want to go and date them, although maybe 
that idea that their partner might be seeing these other people from their past would obviously be uncomfortable. It's not so much that, it's more that it's drawing back those things, that lost youth, that kind the of The decisions lost... they've made have put them in a corner Ex- and they sort of exactly. look back to the... Yeah. So, so I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on them. And those people coming back into their lives as an opportunity for someone else to talk to, mm-hmm. but... It's also putting extra stresses on the relationship, yeah. and we need that. Like we, yeah. we want that. We want. And that I mean, pressure. Peter's running out of friends at this point as well. Like you know, exactly. We, you know, Norman's dead, and yeah. well, unless we bring some back. Yeah. Well, uh, the, yeah. the next point might change your mind around some of this. Ooh. So, meanwhile, a mysterious goblin has appeared in New York and is committing crimes. Oh. They attack the Daily Bugle. They attack an aerospace company. Mm. They and and so these attacks seem to be directed. We don't know who this goblin is. We can assume either a whole new character or maybe more interestingly, someone from the past. I know we've had a few goblins before. This goblin, we're going to do something a little bit different with him. He he definitely has the feel of those previous goblins in terms of his abilities and some of those things. Is Peter sort of imagining that he's seeing a ghost in some moments? I I think so. And I think he's maybe believing that either Harry, Norman... One of those guys has come back, um, and he does, but he doesn't know who. They're calling themselves the Hobgoblin, so they're not the Green Goblin; they're the Hobgoblin. They seem to use a similar armor and glider to what Norman and Harry use, so mm. kind of versions of those, but different. But definitely for an evolution of those things. Ooh, it's that scientist that Norman threw through the glass. Isn't oh, it? I like it. <laughs> it's not, but it's a, it's a very good guess. It's heavily weathered, so it looks like maybe it's been sitting somewhere for a long time, and it's covered in a brown rust. So it's not a green suit, it's a brown suit now. Okay, so um, did they dig Norman up or something? Wow, we'll have to see. We, we don't really know know what happened there because oh no because he took the suit off didn't he so well oh yeah that's he was, right he, he leaves was, him like naked with yeah, like the, massive stab yeah. wounds in his abdomen on <laughs> harry's couch yeah. like so he wasn't buried with the armor we know yeah. that cool but yep. maybe the armor was buried somewhere it might, it's gone somewhere well right? he probably threw it in the river like you know it's yeah, probably they had to cover it up yeah so this this rusty goblet armor is back yep they've got a mask similar to Maybe similar to the early one, but not the same. Maybe hopefully a bit more dynamic, a bit more movable oh, okay. than the Spider-Man one one. Yep. And an old dirty tarp worn like a hooded cloak. So mm-hmm. he's got he's got a bit more of a spooky vibe. And oh, okay. he, he has this kind of, has he come back from the dead? Has he come back from so the... So is this a zombie sort of goblin? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So no one knows who he is. Has Norman returned? Has Did Harry somehow survive the events of Spider-Man 3? Is it someone all new? We don't know. And if they did survive, why are they attacking? <laughs> you know, because they both know who Peter Parker is. Yeah, and they, they're attacking places that have relevance. So like an aerospace company, mm. um, the Daily Bugle, mm. places that are relevant to those people as well. So I think mm. I think that's a really key point to remember. You can it, probably tie in... Uh, sorry to keep interrupting, but you can no, probably tie in, tie in Jonah's son into the aerospace company as well, couldn't you? So like he could be a fringe sort of casualty on the yeah. on the attack. So, yeah. you know, a good way to make MJ feel bad for him and he's in the <laughs> hospital and, oh, my De- arm and Definitely. Stuff. We could definitely yeah. do something like that. Mm. Yeah. So it, they fight several times, like kind of between the drama side of the parenting and the relationships breakdown. Yep. Basically, he's trying to track down this Hobgoblin and that leads to several fights and Hobgoblin actually defeating Spider-Man several times throughout the movie. Ooh. Um 
Although Spidey does manage to like successfully rescue JJ, for example, during the bugle attack. So it's not like he's not... <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not losing JJ. Here. No, no. Um, I'm just I'm imagining the off. scene of him swinging him through the thing and the I little don't... moment of conversation they would get there. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's kind of what I imagine too. Like yeah. the, that he would hate that Spider Man is the one rescuing him, but he also needs him to rescue him. Yeah. So I think that's a really key thing. He's not completely losing each time, but he's never able to defeat this guy. Yep. He's beating him over and over. Yep. In another fight, they f- they battle in the wreckage of the big wheel attack, so around Times Square. In this case, Hobgoblin manages to remove part of, part of Peter's mask, and he immediately leaves. So, Ooh. does he recognise Peter? Has he always known it was Peter? Things are, there's questions. Ooh. We don't really know. Did anyone else see Peter's half bare face? Or no, I think. It's uh, just a private moment. It's a yep. private moment, yep. yeah. Up above Times Square. Kind oh, of, yeah, 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 yeah. I imagine they're kind of on the screens. He's yeah. kind of holding him up. And remember, um, this is kind of before smartphones were <laughs> everywhere. So yeah, we, we, didn't have, we didn't have Zoom on our phone back yeah. then. <laughs> and then, yeah, so we, that's that's something that's going on. During the same time, Pete's talking to Aunt May. We have to have that Aunt May oh, yeah. moment. So this is where that Oh, be. this is where I go on a long diatribe about... <laughs> You know, something that's very relevant to something you're doing right now, but you I don't know that, do I? Yes, yes, yeah. it's exactly that. <laughs> so so she, he talks to her about how, how he's having trouble balancing things. And she kind of gives him some advice saying, look, you need to prioritise. And I think by this time, Aunt May kind of knows that Spider-Man and, and Peter the same. We've kind of got glimpses yep. of that already, right? Yep. She doesn't directly say it, but she says things like, work and keeping people safe is important, but at the end of the day... Do you remember all of that? Or do you remember when Ben and I were home with you? And so she's mm. kind of giving him this this idea that like you need to spend time with your kids. You need to spend yeah, time yeah. with your family. Because you don't know what Sp- tomorrow Spider-Man is not all of all yeah. of your life. Like you have these other things to do. Yeah. And I think that kind of ties in well with this idea of the armor, mm. a Spider-Man armor that maybe someone else could take over. Like yeah. that he's sort of even starting to think of these things. And, it, that's, it, and that would be actually like we're talking, to, I'm talking a bit meta here. But that would be an attractive proposition from Sony's perspective as well, because Tobey Maguire's contract's going to run out eventually, yes. right? And they would want to be making the franchise a little bit more all-encompassing. They may actually bring in like a Miles Morales or, or something like that. Even at that point, I don't know if... Was he in the comics by that point? It, it probably probably not quite. Maybe, it Very been close, though. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. they would have been at least thinking and developing those Yeah, those and concepts. we'd had the Ben Riley kind of take over as Spider-Man oh, yes. previously. So it's not like it's not a totally new idea, yep. but I think it works It works well with the story that we're telling here. Yep. Yeah, And it's not to say that we're no, never going to see Peter again. No. I mean, it depends how this movie pans out, I suppose. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so Peter returns home. MJ, I'm sorry I've not been here enough. From now on, it's regular patrols only. Although at times I might need a pass for a supervillain. She's gone, Peter. The Hobgoblin took her. Oh no. He took our baby. <laughs> so Hobgoblins left them a message mm. to meet him at a church. Mm. Do we know any characters that maybe a church could be important to? Oh, nice. Characters from Peter's past. Very, very <laughs> clever. So they, Spidey and MJ. Both go to the church. Hobgoblin's doing his classic sort of villain thing. He's gloating and he's sort of threatening from the shadow. So he's not in the church itself. He's sort of flying around. They don't know exactly where he is. He manages to pin Spider-Man against the wall with a, with a bell. So mm. again, a bell yeah. may be important to certain characters. Dong. <laughs> so yeah. he pin he pins pins yep. Spidey to the wall by the leg, which is kind of important. Oof. So he's, he's pinned by the leg to the wall of the bell. Yep. Any of this familiar? 
MJ, Peter. Oh no. Hobgoblin flies down, grabbing MJ. His helmet retracts to reveal John Jameson. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. It's the church where they got married. Or nearly oh, got married. Yeah. That was a cool twist. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be Eddie Brock. There. That's exactly what I was trying. Nice. That's, that's what I think. So, Very yeah, nice. We, th- we were hoping for Eddie, or we were thinking maybe Eddie. Yep. Uh, but no, it's John Jameson. Now he's got to do his classic explain to MJ what happened and yeah. why he's this thing. So he explains how his career went downhill after MJ left him for Peter, especially with all the pressure from his dad. Yep. So he was struggling with, with things after this. I really wanted to make him a bit more of a three-dimensional character after yeah. what we got before. Yeah. He volunteered to try old goblin tech for the military and found himself spending more and more time in the suit. Mm. That's why he's destroying the aerospace company earlier in the movie. Yep. It wasn't related to the goblins. It's because those yep. were the people that were testing this stuff on him. Yep. And so has he sort of like absorbed some toxins or something exactly. from the suit? Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And now he loves being Hobgoblin. Yep. But I, I think, he, again, he's twisted. He's not yeah. fully the John James we knew before. He loves getting revenge, and he, he, do, he doesn't care about consequences anymore. Yep. He's, he's, he's an evil guy. A blade pops out, ready to impale MJ. But as he stabs her, the prototype spider armor covers her body in a white and red spider Ooh, suit. Cool. The blade breaks. So now we've got a red and white spider woman. Ooh. MJ and Hobgoblin battle, so they're battling around the church. During the battle, she pulls the bell off of Peter and hits Hobgoblin. Pete splints his leg with some wood and joins the fight. They beat down Hobgoblin as a couple, and he is no match for the two of them, even with Peter clearly struggling with his injury. The battle ends, and they get back baby May. MJ says, I guess maybe New York could get used to this new spider couple. Yeah, spider woman might need to fill in for a while, though. I don't want to worry you, MJ, but I can't feel my leg. And Pete collapses. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So much drama. Drama. (laughs) Six months later. I'm just imagining, like, Tobey Maguire just acting bleeding out there in that sort of, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Very much like... He, he always underplays that stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's, that's what I'm doing. It's like, yeah. he's standing there trying to look cool. Yeah. But then he just collapses. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's a lot of blood. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so we get six months later now, we see MJ swinging through New York, running late after stopping a mugging. So mm-hmm. we can assume that MJ is, has continued as, as Spider-Woman. Mm-hmm. She's heading to the hospital. She meets Peter walking out of the hospital with little May. He's now sporting a prosthetic leg. Ooh. How did it go? Oh, you know, it's taking some time to get used to a foot that doesn't stick to walls, but I'm good. And I'm loving spending some extra time with this little lady while I get used to it. So he's kind of taken on the parenting role oh, now. Yeah. She's taken on the spider woman role. Suddenly there's a huge crash from down the street. Mm-hmm. We see a giant rhinoceros man running Ooh. down the road. Peter looks at MJ and he says to her, Go get him, tiger. <laughs> <laughs> the credits roll. Nice. So that's that's my movie. But being a Marvel movie, we wouldn't quite stop there, right? After the credits, we see Peter talking to MJ on the phone. She's on a payphone. <laughs> yep. Because it's that, that time period still. Yep, there were still uh, payphones. Yeah. Have the rhino go. Yeah, okay. He kept getting his horn stuck in walls. So, yeah, no sweat. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of a shout out to every appearance of rhino in the games where his horn gets stuck in the wall. <laughs> So yeah, no sweat. He's getting his his horn stuck in the wall. Great, great. Well, can you come home? Because we really need to talk. And we cut to a wide shot of Peter. May is crawling on the roof. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) And that is 
my version of Spider-Man 4. Oh, and credits roll. Yeah. Or continue to roll after the pre-title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a mid-credits. <laughs> yeah, it's a mid-credits. <laughs> we don't want to keep it waiting too long. I find this really quite fascinating. I find this fascinating in the sense that there's a lot of overlap in where your inspiration has come from. Yeah. But I've still arrived at a different story. Yes. It's at a slightly different time period. Yeah, cool. But I am very excited to to tell you what that story is. Uh, which is not coming out until next week, everyone. <laughs> so what do you think? Would you see this movie? I would see this movie. Cool. I I particularly like one that you've made MJ a far more rounded and more present character. She's not just a... I've know, tried. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, you've, you've done a good job. I like the, obviously, the implication that having a baby from, a, you know, whatever Peter Parker has turned into is, is probably going to be a bit fraught. Yes. And... Yeah, no, I, I like the direction the story goes in. I like that the, the villain, like the, the big wheel, is a uh, is a pretty deep cut. I don't I don't remember that one. From yeah, the he's not a really popular character. Yeah, and no, I, I really like the fact that you've you've obviously mined from the actual existing lore of, of Spider-Man, Raimi-verse, I suppose, for lack of a better term, you know, characters that are relevant to, to come to the fore in the, in, in the fourth film. So, and, and I guess being a sequel show, it's worth talking about, I guess, kind of future plans i suppose or what they could be so the character of may is a character from the comics so may yes. mayday parker was a spider girl and mm-hmm. i think that could be a fun direction to take the movies in the in the future yes the spider-man losing his leg is a part of that storyline as well so the fact that he's kind of retiring somewhat yeah. is a reason to bring her out but also and i don't know how i've done this because i've looked into the future with a comic that hadn't been published yet at the time Spider-Man 4 would come out. <laughs> but there's a great comic from Marvel called Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, which is which features the Spider family. So his daughter has powers, but also MJ gets powers as well. And that's where the red and white suit mm. kind of came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she in the, that comic, is, is a character named the Spinneret. Very cool costume. So I think... I just think having the idea of like a future with like an Incredibles type of vibe. Yeah. Where and we, it could have been that sort of Fantastic Four that never really seems to get going. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. yeah. I think we, we could have maybe out, out Fantastic Four, the Fantastic Four yeah. in this case. So, yeah, that's kind of, that was sort of my inspiration for yeah. it. As well as, I guess, wanting to make a character like John. Relevant. A bit, a bit more relevant. And also, I think it kind of plays on the. And, and not that if someone leaves you at the altar that you can go around murdering people, but that, <laughs> that Peter and MJ's actions in the past have consequences as well. Yeah. Like they, he was hurt and that led to yeah. the life that he led. Again, it's was, not an excuse. Was, in the comics, Hobgoblin is Harry, isn't it? No, like, so so Harry was Green Goblin as well. Oh, okay. uh, there, were, there were multiple Hobgoblins. Um, there's been a, three or four. I think Ben... From memory, Ben Kingsley, I think, was the first one. There's like a mercenary mm. type guy. Oh, okay. Um, so he's sort of like... In my opinion, the Hobgoblin from the comics isn't a super well-defined character. He, he's changed a lot, which is why I didn't have an issue mm. just changing him. Like I was going to um, say, so my my question is more, you're not going to get like angry fans running and it's like, how dare you have I'm, this I'm character sh- being I'm sure by. there are fans of 90s Marvel comics that will hate <laughs> what I did with Hobgoblin. But overall, I think he's a character that's been pretty fluid. He's largely been sort of this mysterious goblin, extra character. I, I don't think he's done anything... In my opinion, in the comics, he's not that exciting of a character. He's he's just another goblin. He looks cool, and and he's had some fun stories. But I don't think he's that important. So what I was, I guess, trying to do is just bring something back, mm. use a character that people like, but maybe in a new way. I think that would be the important point to differentiate because 
we've obviously seen Goblin in, in the first movie and he's shown up in the second and he had a skateboard and whatever in that one. Yeah. But my point is that, you know, if you're doing, if you're bringing him out again for the fourth movie, it would have to be done in a way, I think, that would be a way to, to make it different from how he attacks in the first two. Like, he just flies th- past and throws a grenade yeah. sort of and, thing. And I, so. I think he visually... What I was kind of going through is more of a horror character as opposed to that kind of supervillain thing. Yeah. And I, 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 I like more, the idea of like he's flying around the church and you can't see him. You can yeah. just hear him coming from different And, and things, I so. think that's kind of the stuff where you... And like you say, it, it was something I thought a lot about. Do we need another goblet? Um, mm. That I think visually you could do a lot of different things with him. He, yeah. With the cape and stuff that yeah. he has as well. And you get a second chance as well. Like I said, you know, first goblin didn't really do a great deal for cinema yeah. <laughs> in that way like he, he does look like a power rangers costume definitely yeah so, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that that was also probably a thing like a second go around it maybe mm. a scarier kind of goblin yeah so so yeah that's pretty much where my sequel ends we will give people an opportunity once they've heard nicks to maybe vote on which one they prefer as well we'll have all the details of that next week on how you go about that but until next time i think maybe it's time To say, to be continued. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at TMYL2. Find our polls and website at tmyl2.wordpress.com. Our opening title is by Brett Harris. Getting Stronger Super Me was written by Theron Booth and was mixed by Paul Slater. This episode was edited by Brennan Craigs.
ครับนี